Welcome to the Conversations with Jesus podcast. I'm Johnny Lehman, a baptized man of God who has the amazing blessings of being a husband, father, and the pastor at Divine Savior Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. This podcast is designed to bring you the self-sacrificing love of Jesus found in the Bible through 15 to 20 minute episodes that focus on relevant life issues and what God has to say about them. Check out our website, DivineSaviorChurch.com, as well as our Facebook and Instagram pages if you'd like to find out more about the incredible things that God is doing through our church family. The series has focused on you, right? How you can become a new you in this new year. You don't live your life in a vacuum, though. You have relationships with others, many others. You're interconnected with other people, your spouse, your children, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbor. All of those relationships will be affected by what you do and what you don't do. So as we finish this new year, new you series, what will the new you do? Well, thanks be to God that his grace allows us to work through our relationships and repentance and forgiveness, restore and rebuild, and enjoy the blessings of the people God has placed around us. And that's going to be our focus in this conversation with Jesus. Have you ever seen the game show Family Feud? If you're like me, I remember as a child binging some of those shows on the game show network. But imagine your family is on the show and you walk up to the red buzzer. Steve Harvey looks at you and your opponent and says, name the top obsessions that people have. What would you guess? Maybe things like money, respect, sex, Netflix shows, going viral, having a good retirement account, According to atheist social psychologist and author Jonathan Haidt, none of those answers would be number one. In his best-selling book, The Righteous Mind, he writes, an obsession with righteousness is the normal human condition. Even human logic affirms that the Bible has always told us to be true. We as people have a natural drive to prove our worthiness, to prove our rightness, and to validate why we exist. I don't know about you, but I've definitely had life moments when I've been obsessed with needing to be right or making things right in my life completely on my own. Such a deep passion cannot help but affect our relationships with other people. In fact, sometimes we are so obsessed with being right that we forget to love. Our obsession with righteousness really does lead to family feuds and friend feuds, even Jesus feuds. I know this is a direct question, but it's one we need to ask. Have you come to this podcast, are you listening to this podcast struggling with a broken relationship? Is it a family member, a friend, or even God himself? You've convinced yourself that you're right. And until that person confesses they're wrong or does something to make you feel better, you can't imagine that relationship being reconciled. If that's where you are right now, Jesus' words in Matthew 5, verses 21 to 37, are just what you need to hear. They were the words the crowd on the mountainside needed, too. We took a quick detour last week to talk about the amazing power and blessings of baptism, but for one more week, let's get comfortable on our first century picnic blanket as we settle in to hear more of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. 
So, so far in this sermon, we've been hanging on his every word, talking about what the blessed life is. It's the life we can have only by God's grace, by being in God's family that makes us blessed no matter what life circumstances we're in. But that blessed identity can't stay contained to ourselves. We're then motivated by God's undying love to be salt and light in the world. And we bring that flavor of grace and reflect the light of hope only Jesus can give. But Jesus left us two weeks ago with a verse that shocked everyone in the crowd that day. He said, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Their world then, as ours is now, was obsessed with righteousness and it seemed impossible to attain. It was just four examples here in these verses. Jesus obliterates any possibility that we can quench our obsessive thirst for righteousness on our own. See, some people during Jesus' time, Pharisees, teachers of the law, they had tried to sugarcoat the law. They made it superficial enough to make it possible to keep. People would say, I'm righteous because I've never murdered anyone. I've never had an affair. I've never been divorced or I gave or have given a certificate of a divorce. I've always kept my word when I call on God as my witness. But, but then Jesus lays out what real righteousness looks like. Do not murder means never holding a grudge against someone who's wronged you. It means when you call someone raka or empty-headed or you fool demeaning their character, Jesus says it bluntly, you're in danger of the fires of hell. Do not commit adultery means not even lusting after someone. If even for a split second you're wishing that a certain person would lust after you, it'd be better to go through life without an eye or a hand. Now, don't be mistaken, here in Matthew 5, Jesus is not advocating self-mutilation or harm, but he's using graphic language to make a point. If your obsession with finding righteousness on your own leads you to think that you can take advantage of a person, even in your own mind, you deserve the place we, especially in our culture, don't like to talk about hell. And Jesus doesn't stop there. He calls out men who had divorced their wives over things like burnt food. Yes, that was a real thing that happened. And sad reality is such divorces over such little things are still happening in our world today. See, marriage is never intended to be broken by anything but death. And Jesus doesn't shy away from that. He speaks the truth in love. Then he talks about how we use our words. He calls out anyone who must justify their words by using phrases like, I swear to God, or I swear in my mama's grave. He says, if we need to use such qualifiers, we're speaking with words Satan himself likes to use. Talk about intense, right? My sinful nature and yours, that is obsessive about righteousness, we get offended at this. Can Jesus really be serious? He is. When it comes to the relationships you have in your life, which ones are broken as you're listening to this podcast right now? Are you picturing a person you haven't spoke to for days, weeks, months, or even years? Have you convinced yourself that you've done everything right and that it's on them to reconcile, to make things right? Do you see how your obsession with your own righteousness will never accomplish what deep down you've always hoped would come true, that things will be made right, that things can finally be worked out when you can hug that person again? Feel that handshake. When you think about lust, do you think about the underlying drive beneath it? It's more than just sexual desire. 
After all, sexual desire is a gift God gave us, one designed to be to give us joy and closeness and excitement and escape with the one person who has promised not just to be with you for a night, but for the rest of your life. That's why the book of Song of Songs is in the Bible. Lust isn't that. Lust is objectification. It's the sinful mindset we have and we convince ourselves we can use people for our own gain, not out of love, but because our righteousness-obsessed minds think we deserve them. Such objectification has led to almost 42% of U.S. women today having experienced some kind of sexual violence. We so often see people as a means for our own gain, not souls who need our self-sacrificing love. Maybe as you're listening to this, you're still struggling through that divorce you had. You know the pain of a broken relationship. You've seen the effects. I don't need to tell you how much it hurts when a relationship that you thought would always be there is now gone. All of us know the feeling of breaking a promise or how it feels when someone breaks one made to us. In all these scenarios, you and I can't help but look down in shame as Jesus tells us the true meaning of righteousness. We can't satisfy our hunger for it on our own. We can't quench our thirst. What's even worse is that in our failure to have righteousness, we've hurt the people around us. We sit on that mountainside with Jesus and guilt is all we feel. And if, if that's how you feel right now, then the law has done its job. But don't keep your head down for long. Look up. Do you see where the good news is? Do you see God's grace here in Matthew 5? You can only find what you're hoping for through the one who has spoken to you, Jesus. The righteousness we're obsessed with, the kind we could never earn, Jesus did. What I'm about to share with you from the Bible is paralyzingly powerful. From the moment Jesus was a one-cell embryo to a 33-year-old grown man, he never lost his temper. He always loved each person he interacted with in the perfect kind of love. He never called someone a moron. He never lusted. He always proudly talked about God's design for marriage, even if it was countercultural. And he always kept his word. It's stunning. It takes me three seconds into my day to mess up and sin. And Jesus never had a single moment of weakness. Even though Satan threw everything he possibly could at him. Even though Satan attacked him with temptation after temptation every single second of his life. The temptation to lash out at people, including his closest friends who misunderstood him half the time. The temptation Jesus must have faced for loss, especially due to the influence he had. The temptation to speak what people wanted to hear, not what they needed to hear. And Jesus is true God, never gave in one single time. It's an amazing accomplishment. But there's something even more amazing than the bare facts of Jesus' perfection. What's even more amazing is the motivating factor that compelled him every second of every day of his life, and still today, you. Think about this. You were on the mind and heart of Jesus from the moment he was conceived and the moment he shouted for all of history to hear, it is finished on the cross. Jesus wasn't just carrying your sins on Good Friday. He carried them from the moment he entered our story. He knows deeply what you've been through. He knows the struggle you're thinking about right now. He knows the people you long to reconcile with. He knows. He knew how sin had broken your relationship with God. And he left the altar of heaven at just the right time to the bridge we could have never been. He came to people like you and me who wanted nothing to do with him and he intentionalized every step, making every step, no matter how painful, to bring you to your Heavenly Father. He came to quench your and my thirst for righteousness. 
He was thrown into the prison of hell we deserved. He paid every last penny of the debt we owed God, and he did it all out of sheer love for you. We rightly keep the cross and empty tomb as the focus of our life and worship, but don't ever forget the 33 years that came before that. How personal Jesus' life is for you. How personal you are to Jesus. The Savior who speaks to you on the mountainside today is the same one who will give you the drive by his grace to make that first step to reconcile relationships. The same Jesus who was obsessed so much with fighting for you and rescuing you that he wouldn't let his own life stand in the way. He would die, he would rise, all because his intentional love for you couldn't be stopped by sin, death, or hell. He has given you his righteousness through his blood. He's reconciled you to God. How can that very fact not radically change how you and I live by God's grace through faith in our Christian lives? We're a new creation. We're a new you. Because our relationship with God is now so tight that our identity is enveloped by him, we don't seek superficial righteousness, but we seek to grab hold of Jesus and never let him go. What does that look like? It means that if there's a relationship that needs to be reconciled and Christ's love is compelling you to make the first move, you have every right to turn off this podcast right now and go make things right. And I couldn't be more serious about that. Because you've been reconciled to God. And so you don't feel offended or insulted when someone says to you, you're so uneducated or uncultured as a Christian because you avoid things that may cause you to lust or things that generate wrongful anger towards others. You're willing to be culturally maimed if it means clinging to Jesus and his truth. So by faith, you are more than okay with missing out. You don't have FOMO. You instead treasure the greatest gift of all, Jesus and his grace. Because you've been reconciled, you say what you mean and mean what you say. You don't need to add any qualifiers. You let the world see the salt and light of Jesus simply by how you talk. You don't feel the pressure to join in gossip. Instead, you pray that God use your words to lead others to his word so God can do what he does best, change lives and hearts. From babies to teens to parents to bosses to friends, whatever people we have connections to, Jesus has given us the gift of injecting his love and truth in a world longing for both. So if you're going to be obsessive about something, be obsessive about the righteousness you have in Jesus. Be obsessive about showing the world what God's view of relationships has always been. Unconditional love, grace-motivated accountability, selflessness to reconcile. As we've talked about your new year, new you, let's never stop pointing one another to the resolution God made before the world even had a year. His resolution to rescue you, redeem you, reconcile you, and restore you. You're God's resolution. He knows. He loves. He fights for you. And he is the perfect end in store for you. Live reconciled. You've been made new by Jesus. And now by grace, you're excited and motivated to bring the healing only Jesus can give to the broken relationships in your life. And I can't wait to hear the stories of healing God is going to give you. And all God's people said, Amen. It's a joy to bring you the good news of Jesus in this podcast. God be with you in all of your relationships so you can be his salt and light in the world.